0: Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Let's go ahead and give you a preview for today's huge show. And when I mean huge, I mean some big stories that, uh, well, let's just say they got demonetization written all over it. First, lawyers for that former movie mogul say everyone had transactional sex in Hollywood before the Me Too moment, and they come out swinging. Calls a complaining witness who just happens to be the first lady of California, just another bimbo, trying to get ahead. The Daryl Brooks Circus is coming to an end as uh, closing arguments are proceeding. Will there be justice for Harmony Montgomery? Well, at least it started. Alex Murdoch, an update. Now, the next two stories reaffirm why your parents always said, don't talk to strangers. We're going to introduce you to probably one of the creepiest guys on the internet, yet somehow he was able to get somebody to respond to his Tinder post. Um, another example of why we don't talk to strangers and then um, a dumb criminal of the day. Well, let's talk about it. Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. Thanks for watching. My name is Scott Reich. This is Crime Talk. Now, before we get to the docket for October 25th of 2022, you know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't, like if you do, Hit that little bell so that you receive notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And remember, you can listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps, just simply by typing in Crime Talk with Scott Reich. Now, tonight is Tuesday. So what does that mean? That's right. Tuesday night live, 6 p.m. Mountain Time starts. And then immediately following that will be our Patreon show for our Patreon members. All right let's get to the docket. And I said this has demonetization written all over it, but we have tried to take steps to make sure that doesn't happen. Now, when I say that, there's certain names on YouTube that if you say them, you'll get demonetized. All right. And one of those just happens to be um, a former movie mogul who maybe was convicted already in New York and now has some companion trials going on in LA. Well, that has started, all right? And um, the attorneys for that former movie mogul have told the jury that there's absolutely no evidence against uh, their client and that every woman who will testify in this trial is an actress who will simply be up there on the stand playing a role. And he says it's all about to fit the narrative for the Me Too movement, which they characterized as an asteroid of a movement that burst forth like a supernova with that former movie mogul as the poster child. The former movie mogul's attorney, a guy by the name of Mark Worksman, told jurors that they should prepare to hear a fire hose of false and unprovable allegations from women who agreed to have sexual, consensual, consensual interactions with the former movie mogul, but, years later are now embarrassed and that they're lying about what really happened. And you know, sometimes you have to embrace those bad facts and turn them to the good part for your client. Well, the attorney for that former movie mogul says, look at my client pointing to the former movie mogul. He's not Brad Pitt, he's not George Clooney, Do you think that these beautiful women had engaged in sexual relations with him because he's hot? No, it's because he was powerful. And so the former movie mogul's attorney told the jury that uh, Hollywood has changed today, but back in the day, it was just transactional sex and it was par for the course. Sex was a commodity for rich and powerful men like his client and the former mogul's attorney said even getting its own nickname called the casting couch. He said transactional sex, it may have been unpleasant and now embarrassing, but everybody did it, he did it, they did it, referring to the complaining witnesses. And uh, the attorney said that uh, the Me Too movement is like a movie that turned the former mogul into Hollywood's Chernobyl, casting him as a smoldering, radioactive part of the bad guy. And the women? The sequel to the casting couch is the Me Too trial. And so the defense said that they will uh, play this part as the damsel in distress with this beast. They have to lie to themselves, to you, and to the court, the attorney said. The hypocrisy will be on full display. Now, earlier in the day, the prosecution painted a little bit Different picture of the former movie mogul telling the jury that the former Hollywood producer and already convicted uh, defendant was a predator who used his business meetings as a cover to sexually assault women over a period of decades. And as we noted, the defense came out swinging and they said they urged the jury to use their common sense and to realize that there is no forensic evidence, such as a police report as a sexual assault kit, a DNA semen sample, or surveillance video of any criminal activity to back up the women's allegation. Each will have to boil down to believe me. If an accuser waits years, the allegation boils down to her word. The prosecution is planning on bringing in a forensic psychiatrist to serve as an expert witness to educate the jury on myths associated with sexual assault. And some of these uh, behaviors uh, described by the former movie mogul's defense now let's be fair Uh, squishy science what the experts will say is that if um, somebody is assaulted that sometimes people come forward and uh, sometimes they come forward later but it's not any indication of whether it's a truthful allegation or untruthful allegation. Just simply, uh, each case is different, and you have to view it based upon that. And so really, yes, it does come down to the credibility of the women versus that of, well, that former movie mogul. We'll see if he actually uh, testifies. Now, the defense also focused on that former movie mogul's humble beginnings, telling the jury that he wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth and that he worked hard to create success for himself and urged the jurors not to be distracted by the stories of private jets and celebrity parties. And with tremendous fame and fortune came fortune seekers, is what his attorneys are saying, categorizing the women as having, like I said, consensual sex with that former movie mogul who is less than attractive, because they wanted to exploit their connection with the former movie mogul and having sex in exchange for something with value. And the defense attorneys for the former movie mogul spent much of their time during opening focusing on Jane Doe number four, who was revealed to be Jennifer Siebel Newsom, the actress and director who has just happened to be married to the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who is accused uh, the former movie mogul, of uh, assaulting her in a hotel room back in 2005. In uh, recent years, she has become a leading voice against uh, sexual harassment and assault, and she made herself a prominent figure of the Me Too movement, the attorney argues, and listed her current accolades and status as the first partner of California. Uh, But back in the early 2000s, when Siebel Newsom was just an aspiring actress and filmmaker. That's right. That former movie mogul attorneys said she was just a Hollywood wannabe and said that um, during the time back in 2005, Siebel Newsom says she had to uh, fake a, a climactic end to the assault quickly. And they said that there's nothing more enthusiastic signal of consent than yes, 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 which is why it was all consensual. Now, the attorneys also noted that uh, the former movie mogul was a big donor to the Democratic Party and contributed heavily to Gavin Newsom throughout his years. And he noted that in 2007, the former movie mogul had the couple as guests to one of their parties during the time when Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco. So the attorney said and suggested, so let me get this straight. She brought her husband to meet and party with her alleged attacker? Who does that? The attorney also said he took money from his alleged wife's attacker for his political campaigns. Siebel Newsom didn't have her current place in politics today. She'd be just another bimbo who slept with the former movie mogul just to get ahead. Wow. Talk about coming out swinging. But what are they supposed to do? The whole trial in New York where allegations were made, and there was a lot of 404B evidence and all that kind of good stuff coming in of basically a lot of these California cases. It was basically to attack, 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 saying nothing inappropriate happened. Uh, Obviously, that didn't work out so well. So you might as well acknowledge that it happened and it was consensual, and that is what their argument is. If that's their argument the jury will have to decide. Uh, We will see how that uh, case continues. Obviously, the former movie mogul will probably spend the rest of his life in prison, but you never know what will happen in court. Next on the docket, Daryl Brooks. That's right. The guy that's representing himself and uh, has managed to disrupt his trial was banned again, yet again, from the courtroom when he uh, proceeded to build a fort with boxes shielding himself from the cameras in the other room after he'd been kicked out of court. Now, over the course of his uh, trial, Mr. Brooks has uh, stripped his shirt off in court. He's complained that the prosecutors were slick. Uh, He won't let the judge get a word in, and he won't even answer to his own name. Uh, Mr. Brooks has worked to disrupt his trial, with his outbursts and chaotic antics leading to Judge Jennifer Doro admitting she's frightened of him. Now, closing arguments in the trial are slated to begin today after the judge told the jury that uh, Mr. Brooks' defense had rested earlier uh, in the day. Now, Mr. Brooks will certainly appeal any conviction, and um, his courtroom antics could be a ploy to um, kind of goat the judge into doing something which results in a potentially unfair trial. However, you can not have your cake and eat it too, uh, basically by disrupting the proceedings and then say, I didn't get a fair trial because I disrupted the proceedings. I don't think uh, there's much to worry about here. Uh, I think it will be a quick verdict. Let's hope so. And then the appeal can go forward. Let's hope that he does his own appeal and he does just as well uh, when he... um, does that appeal as he's done for himself at trial. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the Brooks case, um, the prosecutors allege that he got into a fight on November 21st with his ex-girlfriend on the streets of Waukesha, which is a a suburban, which is a suburb in Milwaukee. He then fled the scene in his SUV and uh, drove it into a parade. According to the criminal complaint, he then plowed through a group of, uh, the parade, killing six people, including an eight-year-old boy, and injuring dozens of others. He faces 76 charges, including six counts of first-degree intentional homicide and 61 counts of reckless endangerment. Each homicide count carries a mandatory life sentence. Each reckless endangerment count carries a maximum sentence of 17 and a half years in prison. And of course, those can all be consecutive one after another, which means Mr. Brooks will probably never get out of prison. Now, he initially pled not guilty by reason of a mental disease, but his counsel withdrew that plea back in September without any explanation. And then just days before his trial was scheduled to begin on October 3rd, he fired his public defenders and wanted to represent himself. How's that turning out for you? I don't think it's working out so well. Next in the docket, Justice for Harmony Montgomery? Perhaps. Adam Montgomery, the father of the missing and presumed now deceased New Hampshire girl Harmony Harmony Montgomery, was arrested and charged with her murder late Monday. Now, nearly eight months of investigation by various state, county, and federal law enforcement agencies, Harmony Montgomery was declared deceased based upon numerous leads, including biological evidence. The father was charged with murder in the second degree for allegedly recklessly causing the death of his daughter by repeatedly striking Harmony in the head with a closed fist. Now, Adam Montgomery was charged with one count of uh, falsifying physical evidence by allegedly destroying evidence when he hid or destroyed his daughter's body to prevent the investigation from moving forward abuse of a corpse for allegedly purposefully and unlawfully moving the concealed corpse of Harmony Montgomery or any part thereof, and tampering with a witness for allegedly attempting to have his wife, Kayla Montgomery, testify falsely. Now, Harmony Montgomery actually went missing sometime in late November uh, or early December of 2019, and the lack of knowledge as to her whereabouts made their way onto law enforcement's radar after an alarm was raised by her mother's biological mother, Crystal Sori, who repeatedly lost and regained custody of her daughter due to substance abuse problems throughout the girl's uh, short life. Now, Kayla Montgomery faces welfare fraud charges after allegedly falsely representing that her household was the same size as before Harmony Montgomery went missing. Tragic case. Glad it's moving forward. We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, everybody that we talk about um, on the show who has not been convicted by a jury or pled guilty, we give them the presumption of innocence. Regardless of how bad the facts look for them, we give everybody the presumption of innocence. Some new facts in the Alex Murdoch case are coming out. And for those of you who do not know, Alex Murdoch has been charged with two counts of murder and two counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime in connection with the double homicide of his wife and son, that is, and he pled not guilty to those charges and is scheduled to stand trial beginning on January 23rd of 2023. Now, his attorneys have been pushing the state to reveal details about their case in anticipation of this upcoming trial. Simultaneously, Murdoch's attorneys have been attempting to shift the blame for the murder away from Alex Murdoch and onto his longtime friend and accused drug dealer check cashier, doer of bad deeds, allegedly Curtis Eddie Smith. Why? Because they say that he failed a polygraph examination administered by law enforcement uh, about his purported knowledge of potential participation in the murders. Oh, and Mr. Smith was the guy that Alex Murdoch got to shoot him in the head so they could basically try to claim insurance money for the remaining son, Buster. (laughs) That didn't work out too well either. I'm starting to think these guys aren't very good uh, when it comes to committing crime. The uh, white-collar stuff, much, much better at, that's for sure. Well, what is interesting is the movement on the evening of the murders, and that has now become part of the public record. So according to the prosecutors, Mr. Murdoch departed Mosul, you know, the 1,700-acre hunting lodge. You know, we all have them, 1,700 acres, hunting lodge. I'm going to mine this weekend not. He apparently departed the hunting lodge in Mosul or the hunting lodge called Mosul at approximately 9.06 p.m. um, and drove to his parents' home in Almeida, South Carolina. Now, both his departure time from the Mosul and his destination were new information, uh, some more pieces for sure to the puzzle. Now, Alex Murdoch previously said that he was visiting his father, Randolph Murdoch III, who was seriously ill at the time these events were transpiring. In fact, Murdoch uh, III passed away just three days after the uh, double homicide on June 10th of 2021. Now, Murdoch's parents' home in Almeida is approximately 15 to 20 minutes away from the scene of the alleged murders, meaning the accused killer would have had only around 20 to 30 minutes at the location if he were to assume he was back in Mosul, at 10.07 p.m., making his 911 call. So what did he allegedly do when he was at that parent's place? Well, apparently there's now a witness that has come forward and said that they observed Mr. Murdoch engaging in some suspicious activity during his brief visit to Almeida in the middle of the aftermath of the alleged murders. Now, according to this witness, they allegedly saw Alec Murdoch hide something wrapped in a blue tarp behind his parents' house upon arriving from Mosul. Apparently, the items were wrapped in a blue tarp or a uh, rain slicker or rain jacket, but whatever it was, they do believe and are positive that it was blue. Well, it ended up being a rain jacket. The uh, witness thought was a tarp, according to uh, this police. And whenever the blue water-resistant item was there, Well, apparently there was some significant gunshot residue on it, allegedly. Now, the jacket has since been recovered by law enforcement, but uh, the items that were allegedly transported inside it, presumably um, to be murder weapons or other incriminating evidence, were not retrieved from the scene. And as you may recall, we brought you the story about the massive search in that general area several months ago that apparently yielded nothing for the prosecution. All right, so here's a current timeline of the events as basically the prosecution is saying that it took place. About 8.44, that's when there's video from Paul Murdoch's cell phone showing this family gathering at the hunting lodge. At about 9 p.m., uh, the coroner's uh, time of death for Paul Murdoch. At 9.06 p.m., Alec Murdoch departs Mosul uh, for Almeida. And then at 9.20 to 9.50, Alec Murdoch departs Uh, Almeida. And then at 10.07, Alec Murdoch places a 911 call from Mosul. At 10.26 is when the first law enforcement officer responds to Mosul, the hunting lodge. Now, the video evidence obtained by the state that puts Murdoch at the uh, location of his alleged two victims, like I said, is that 1,700-acre hunting property. And the footage depicts this family gathering, allegedly. So, the pieces are coming together for sure. The question is will it be enough for proof beyond a reasonable doubt with a trial date literally two months away? It's going to be interesting. Good lawyering on the part of both sides. Obviously, the defense releasing the information that is not admissible will never come in as it relates to Mr. Smith hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. And the prosecution saying, oh, let me clear up those misstatements because we have plenty of evidence to convict Alec Murdoch of the murder of his wife and son, and we're going to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. I like that in prosecutors, and I like that in defense attorneys that say, let's go try this thing. Next, creepiest man on the internet, and yet he's still able to get a date on the internet. So a Florida man allegedly told his Tinder match that he wanted to have children so that he could do bad things to them. And you know what? They call people that like prepubescent girls. Yeah, there's a scientific name for that. And it rhymes with sicko. Anyway, um, this prompted the Tinder match to contact the police. And then on October 12th, a woman told the law enforcement about the man that she was speaking with on Tinder and said that the man had told her that he had done terrible things to multiple young girls multiple times. Now, the woman gave the undercover detectives permissions to continue messaging with the man, who allegedly continued discussing his experiences with these girls. Investigators identified the man as 29-year-old Nicholas Bernard Wallace. And apparently, while conversing with the undercover detectives, Wallace transmitted four images depicting children being abused. Mr. Wallace then attempted to arrange an encounter with the woman and offered to bring a young child with him. Mr. Wallace claimed to have um, abused this child in the past as well, and Mr. Wallace explained that he had nearly unrestricted access to the child and would be able to take her that afternoon. Mr. Wallace also talked about his disturbing desire to have his own children. During his conversation with the undercover detectives, Mr. Wallace also explicitly described the process of grooming these young children for this activity and stated that he hoped that he would have daughters so that he could um, do terrible things to them as infants. Given the serious risk that Mr. Wallace posed, the um, child with whom he was already admitted to abusing they immediately began searching for Mr. Wallace. They located him at his home in Ocala, Florida, and arrested him. Mr. Wallace was apparently already under investigation for allegedly uploading material depicting photos of children, according to the police. After his arrest, Mr. Wallace um, would not speak with the investigators, which is his constitutional right to do, about his um, dating app conversation, despite his apparent bragging on tinder. They have charged Mr. Wallace, they be in the prosecution, with four counts of transmission of child photos and two counts of really bad stuff with children. He also faces one count each of promoting the sexual performance of a minor, sexual solicitation to commit sexual battery of a victim less than 12 years of age, and unlawful use of a two-way communication device to facilitate a felony and he's being held in the Marion County Jail on a mere $95,000 bond. Um, What can you say about this story, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, What is more disturbing is this sicko is out, obviously. He's bragging about his crimes. Thank God this woman came forward and gave this information to the police. But what the hell is going on where this sicko is still getting dates. Are you kidding me? I just do not get it. And I'm telling you, this guy, he's not wired right. Now we'll give him the presumption of innocence, okay? But the thing that is disturbing to me is when he said he wanted to have his own children and be able to do terrible things to them as an infant. I have represented individuals, and I'm talking where they were doing terrible things to infants. And there's this group of these weirdos out there. They are not wired correct. They are dangerous. And they look to be around small children and they want infants. And you know why the reason they do this and they communicate amongst themselves in these chats where all these wackos hang out? They do it so that the child won't have an alleged memory of it and that they can't talk we'll give them the presumption of innocence but i'm telling you you can't cure that you can't cure that and just saying can't cure it all right take a look at this video this is the moment a 10 year old sprints away from her potential abductor after she encountered a stranger who apparently tried to kidnap her in Fort Lauderdale neighborhood, not once, but twice in one week. Now the police released the footage last night and are still searching for the suspect who attempted to lure the child into his vehicle by offering her candy on her way to school last week. Now a separate video captured the man dressed in all black walking near the scene on October 19th. Take a look at this guy, another sicko, right? Now, when the child refused to get into the man's black cargo van, of course he's driving the van. Of course. I mean, only thing he'd be if it was white, right? So he's got a creeper and a creeper van. And people wonder why stereotypes come out, right? Just telling you. Creepo trying to pick up kids in a creeper van. He allegedly got out of his vehicle and tried to pull her inside the creeper van. Now, the male attempted to lure Her by offering candy and other items, which she declined. Uh, The suspect then attempted to grab her, but thankfully she was able to run away. A struggle ensued, and the girl was able to get away. But she dropped her lanyard as she fled, which she says she saw the man pick up and take. Now, one week after the incident, the man was still has not been found. There's a five thousand dollar reward offered for information leading to this man's uh, arrest. Now, in the upper right-hand corner of the video, detectives believe the suspect can be briefly seen following the victim before turning around and leaving. Now, the 10-year-old girl did not report this incident until the same thing happened to her again the next day at 7.40 a.m. The same male approached the young girl while on her way to school, this time on foot, and the police said that she immediately ran away towards the school and away from the male. The second time, a witness saw what was happening and intervened. So there are good people still here in the world. A witness in the area approached them and asked the 10-year-old if she knew this man. The young girl said no at the same time that the guy said, yes, we do know each other. And in fact, he is her grandfather's what he said. The witness, realizing that something's not right, instructed the 10-year-old girl to run. Now, the man, described as anywhere between 25 to 40 years old, white male, with short brown hair and a mustache, and possibly a scar on his left side of his face, has not yet been apprehended. Take a look at this guy. Somebody's got to know who this is. We need to get the people trying to hurt the children off the streets, ladies and gentlemen. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why all the things. Now, I've said this in the past. Everything in the law It usually stays the same. Sure, you have to update it for the new items. But I remember my parents telling me, don't talk to strangers. Uh, Don't talk to people in creeper vans, okay? They were around a long time ago. They're still here. Nothing has changed. You have to be careful out there, okay? And this is why we recommend that you go to crimetalksearch.com and you get yourself a background subscription service. And the reason why you need to do that is that you need to become familiar with the people entering your life. So whether you meet them on Tinder or you want to see who is in the neighborhood that maybe gives you doesn't give you that warm, fuzzy feeling, you can do a background search on them and literally while you wait, you'll get information about whether they are a registered sex offender, whether they have a criminal history, are they married, divorced, do they own property in the area, What kind of cars do they drive? Everything that you need to know to check people out, to make sure you get that warm, fuzzy feeling. So go to crimetalksearch.com, get that background subscription service, you'll be happy you did. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Now a traffic stop was initiated after a police officer reportedly observed a vehicle failing to signal for the 100 feet prior to turning. I know, you gotta do it. It's a gateway crime first thing, you're not signaling 100 feet prior to turning. Next thing you know, you're robbing banks. It is a slippery slope, ladies and gentlemen. Thank God the police were there to protect us. Oh, and maybe he failed to come to, to a complete stop as well. Now, while now while speaking to the driver, later identified as Fulton Loverboy Woods, the officer reportedly noted the strong scent of an alcoholic odor coming from within the vehicle. It was requested that uh, Mr. Woods' exit the vehicle, which he did. And just prior to performing a field sobriety test, Mr. Woods stated he had no issues with his eyes. And according to the report, he then told the officer, I'm just drunk, that's all. I didn't say drunk, I'm just tired, that's all. Well, needless to say, Mr. Woods reportedly failed the test and agreed to provide the breast sample, which resulted in a 0.090, which is above the alcohol limit. charged with two counts of felony um, first degree driving while intoxicated for impaired driving with a prior felony conviction within ten years and refusal to submit to a chemical test. Now, we certainly do not condone drinking and driving. In the days, in today's age of Ubers and Lyft, nobody should get a DUI, but yet they do. Okay, um, but in most states, and talk to your attorney in your local case, local state. But the reality of it is, you don't have to do the Voluntary roadside maneuvers. Just saying, ladies and gentlemen, they're voluntary roadside maneuvers. Now, if they arrest you and you got to do the test, then you want to talk to your attorney. Mm, But if you're totally wasted, mm, I'm not really sure what good come from that, but that's a decision you've got to make, right? It could be exculpatory if you're stone cold sober and they think that you have not had anything to drink. I always wish my stone cold sober clients would take the test, but yet they refuse somehow. I wonder why that is sometimes. I don't know. Anyway, you don't have to do it. And generally, I don't care if you have a cold beer in your hand, if the officer admits that, you know, have you had anything to drink? Don't lie, don't lie. Just, you don't have to answer those incriminating questions. Just remember that, just saying. Otherwise you become a dumb criminal of the day. And who knows, it could be on body cam somewhere and it could make the dumb criminal video play of the day. Just saying, be careful, be smart, take an Uber. Nobody should get a DUI these days. Nobody. Thanks for watching. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please join us tonight, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. We will be live. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.